Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hello everyone, it's time once again for our Cattleman's Call podcast conversations. This show coming to you recorded live from the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show in the Cattleman's Connection area, sponsored by our friends at Micro Technologies. Make sure and check out Micro Technologies online for all that they're providing cattlemen and women across the nation. Well, friends, as we find ourselves in the Gaylord Opryland in Music City, USA, you might hear some music in the background, but we're in Nashville. It's great to have that ambiance in the background, some good country music. If they play some Dua Lipa, I'll be okay with that. <laughs> oh, Sam. And uh, you guys are in for a treat, our audience. So we are doing Ag Influencers 2.0. If you recall, before the pandemic started back in 2020 in San Antonio, Texas, Macy Hurst, Courtney Dehoff, and Kyle Twisselman joined us. And uh, that was a different time. We, we saw the world change very, very fast. And we've seen different career opportunities, different reaches on social media, people in agriculture, without agriculture. It's been quite the time. So Macy, I'm gonna start with you. How are things going as we gather here in Nashville, Tennessee, from the time you were pretty close just being out of college, you were one of the rock star ambassadors recruiting the most people to come to convention. And uh, you continue to be a, an influencer, involved in production ag, and also uh, on the advocacy association level. But uh, how are things down in Missouri or Missouri? <laughs> things are great in Missouri, Elaine. Um, <laughs> we are blessed. Uh, I. Last time we were here, like you said, had just graduated from college and I started a job where I loved the people, but my passion definitely lied within the cattle industry. And since then I've started at the Missouri Cattlemen's Association and I just think it's phenomenal um, that I have the opportunity to get paid for what I'm most passionate about. So really blessed in that aspect as well. Um, running cattle with my mom and little sister with Lady Livestock Company still, and that has uh, been a really unique opportunity for us to be able to share that expertise with those moms and those young women that are making those buying decisions a lot of times at the grocery store and uh, giving them an opportunity to ask questions in in an environment where they're comfortable and where they feel like they can trust us because we're in the same stages of life. And so that's just been a really a really special part, I think, of our operation in addition to just taking care of those cattle in the land, which we love so much. Well, it's great to hear that. I want to talk more about everything you're up to, but we'll continue our introductions. Courtney Dehoff joins us uh, fresh off of the reporting uh, a scene at the American Quarter Horse Association Youth World. Is that right? Yeah, the Youth World. Can you not see the bags under my eyes? <laughs> yeah, it, it was great. I loved working with AQHA. That was the first time um, I'd gotten the opportunity to do that. But I feel like I've lived 15 lives since we all... Uh, got together, you know, went to NCBA, things kind of got crazy. Um, I was working for the PBR, the Professional Bull Riders, as their um, sort of sideline talent uh, there. And when the pandemic kind of came crashing down, that came crashing down as well. And so, like, Courtney had no work because I'm an independent contractor. So, like, there was no TV gigs. There was just nothing happening. Um, and I live in a major city. So, I didn't really, you know, I couldn't go out and like work cattle or I didn't have any outlet. And I was just like trapped in this um, apartment. I love city living. I'm a big proponent for it. But during the pandemic, I was sort of like, oh, what have I done? Uh, And just one day on my couch, um, decided that I was going to sort of push this mentality that I've always had. 
and I labeled it Fancy Lady Cowgirl, and that was sort of the beginning of this, I guess, lifestyle brand, this sort of movement and this push. And, and Macy, you know, mentioned it a little bit, this whole, um, like, getting women and, and other people involved in this community who don't necessarily know if they belong, and they don't know necessarily know if they are welcome. You know, maybe they don't own a cowboy hat. Maybe um, they got their boots, you know, at Walmart. That's okay. You know, Fancy Lady Cowgirl uh, was really just something that, I created because I didn't have anything else going on and I was really shocked that it kind of took off and the discovery was that there are a lot of people who want to know more about who we are and what we do and so Fancy Lady Cowgirl kind of has uh, been the outlet and that's what I did during the pandemic. Well, I want to talk more about Fancy Lady Cowgirl and all the work that you're doing advocacy-wise uh, in Texas, on Instagram and everywhere else and uh, as we go to our final guest here today. Kai Twizzleman. Uh, do, is it hyphenated now? I know you got married. I got married. It's not hyphenated. I. Uh, it's now Kaya Twizzleman Burchett. And you dropped your middle name, right? I dropped my yeah. middle name, and I took Twizzleman as my middle name because I'm very attached. But um, I, my old middle name, was, which was Christina, I decided is now like my sassy alter ego. So Ooh. if I get sassy, Christina might come out lame. Okay. So you better watch out. <laughs> we might. Uh, we should have had a uh, bucket of bottomless mimosas. Uh, we could have saw Ooh. Christina come next out. Next time. Next time. <laughs> Listen, the week is young, okay? It, it's only Tuesday. It's only Tuesday in Nashville, <laughs> and uh, I, I loved on the, the morning weather report, they said it's just the weather's going to be hot and nasty on the radar. <laughs> I love that. And so oh. Christina is going to be getting ready for some of that <laughs> hot, muggy, nasty the weather. Hot and nasty. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Kaya, the last time we did this show, you had just run in the uh, beef. 5k fit or whatever yeah, it was so yeah. you came in you were you, you just ran that and you yeah. sat down and you're like i'm ready to do this podcast but you did not run in a uh, in in a marathon or whatever it's the beef whatever the fit run was called but uh, you have probably walked 10 miles in the Opperland hotel to get here Pretty much, my goodness, this place is like a city in itself. Yeah, y'all, I had to redeem myself this time because last time we did this interview together, I was sweaty and gross, and y'all probably smelled me because I came fresh from the run. But I'm happy to report that I showered this morning, everyone, so you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, but I am running the Be Fit 5K later this week, so looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, things have changed a lot since the last time we talked, Lane. Um, in a big way. I'm so proud of these ladies sitting next to me. It's such an honor to just be back at the table with them. But last time we talked, I was still working full-time in my marketing business, doing custom logo design and mm -hmm. creation and marketing for farmers and ranchers across the country. And since then, um, I accidentally became a life coach full-time. So um, talk about an unexpected turn of events. Um, but that's what I do full-time now. And, and it's so cool to hear the way that Macy and Courtney talk about empowering women in and outside of our industry because you know I grew up in production agriculture and I started at the Kentucky Cattlemen's Association and I thought marketing and communications was my jam and I kind of found this place for myself where maybe my role in ag isn't in production agriculture it might not just even be in solely ag communications but maybe my role in agriculture is to empower the women within it to live their happiest healthy lives and take better care of themselves and their mental health and that's kind of where I've landed since we last talked. 
And uh, and we did do a podcast a few months back too, did, just yeah. kind of catching up on uh, you being on Kelly Clarkson, yes. and, uh, <laughs> and and also on, on magazine covers and whatnot, being a being an advocate for yourself, for mm-hmm. others, and, and of course the beef industry. Uh, so thanks for those. Yeah, you kind of like left out. I'm sorry. Can I interrupt? <laughs> I'm gonna continue Kaya's introduction. Uh, People Magazine, Kelly Clarkson, Good Morning America, like millions of outlets all over the world, and it was so cool because she was promoting beef the whole time and like how to incorporate beef into a healthy lifestyle. Don't even think you can leave out the People Magazine <laughs> article, and like it was just it was just like so cool to see your evolution on like such a mainstream level. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt, but I was like, she's not even going to mention that. I would lead with that if I were okay, like, well, I was time. in People Magazine. Oh, uh, we were going to dig that out. We we still. <laughs> Like too. Well, I, I actually have the copy for you to autograph for. No, listen, it's, it's going to cost you at least twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Right. Well, Christina's okay. feeling sassy today. <laughs> well, again, you know, I, I, I re-listened to our conversation, and we had such such a good uh, conversation regarding social media and advocacy and roles that different age groups within the industry can participate with. And I think uh, that that conversation still holds true. But the way that all of you are still reaching people continues to grow and and change. Macy, I want to start with you. Now, from an association standpoint of things, how has that changed working with producers a little more? But also, how do you walk that line between being an employee of of the Missouri Cattlemen's Association, but also still being an advocate and a rancher with uh, your your sister and mom's uh, business? Yeah, so I think it's a really a great um, intersection. Now that I work on the association side, a lot of my advocacy is geared more towards legislators and policymakers, and I think that's a really important piece, obviously. Um, you know, a lot of the people making our decisions have never walked in the boots of the people they're making decisions for, and so that's a huge responsibility, but uh, it's so neat because there are so many good people in those positions that want to learn. They just, again, want to be in an environment where they feel safe asking those yep. questions. On the producer side, it's a lot of fun. We do some, you know, training to help them be better advocates themselves. And on the social media um, front, as well as the magazine, I edit our magazine, and so it's really cool to integrate some advocacy pieces in there, as well as, of course, producer education and information. And then um, again with social media and the, just those conversations, I love my favorite time to advocate is on an airplane or standing at the at the grocery store whenever you know people see I'm wearing cowboy boots or maybe I'm in a cattleman's t-shirt and they feel again like they can reach out and ask those questions and so it's a truly a blessing to I feel like have that much faith put in us I think the three of us um, that people have grown to trust and will come to us with those questions and we can have those conversations. And when we look at the pandemic aspect of things, we saw such an uptick in people um, wanting to produce their own branded beef, to connect with consumers. And th- those are conversations I want to follow up with some of those folks during a cattle convention here this year, just to see how that's going now that you know restaurants are opening back up and how those trends are going for these family businesses. How did the pandemic impact uh, y- your, your family's operation with, uh, with the connection and w- with consumers wanting high quality beef? Yeah, so I think it was definitely an interesting kind of turn of events in the in the beef cattle market. People were, like you said, going straight to the, the producer. And I think that was so unique because a lot of times when 
customers or consumers look at agriculture, it's this huge industry and they don't know where to go and where to find that information. Whereas when they're buying beef directly off the farm, they are talking to the person who watched that calf be born, who, you know, maybe fed out that calf right there or, um, you know, their neighbors working together to get that calf from, um, you know, birth to their dinner table. And so I think that was a really special thing that um, the pandemic did was allow them to connect in that way. And then also, um, of course, so many communication avenues came out of um, being socially distanced. And so I think that provided a lot of opportunities too for people just to learn on different formats that maybe weren't those face-to-face when you don't live on the farm or near one. So it was a it was a tough time um, for a lot of different reasons, but I think a lot of good came out of it. And what I really liked about our conversation that we had back in February 2020 was, uh, and I'm not going to quote you exactly right, but just the trust that consumers want to have in producers and that relationship and that friendship. Um, and I know you probably still stand by that. Uh, could you maybe share some exam- personal examples of how that trust was even uh, gained even more from pr- uh, consumers that you interact with or other examples of other folks that are doing direct-to-consumer to brands? Oh yeah, there's so many out there now and there always have been, but again, I think the pandemic kind of highlighted those those people or maybe encouraged some others to um, start those, those uh, direct-to-consumer beef sales. And so I think uh, for us, we offer delivery. Um, it's a lot of what we sell is in mid-Missouri. And so whenever we literally show up to their door and ring their doorbell and we have their beef and they can say, you know, exactly where was this grown? Um, what kind of things did you feed it? Are there antibiotics or growth hormones or whatever those things that sound so big and scary in the media or on the labels that they see at the grocery store, they can ask us because we were there for the entire lifespan of that animal. And so it, it is uh, really, again, I feel like a special position to be in where we can help influence those decisions and more than influence, just make them more comfortable yep. with their food source. Yep. And uh, Courtney, as we look at those interactions that you've been able to connect with people from all different backgrounds, all political beliefs, and say, reach out to cattlemen and women saying, it's okay if people want to embrace the Western way of life. If they want to wear that cowboy hat and say, you know what, they want to embody what we in in the cattle business are a part of. I, I think that is so important because your advocacy has changed my view of, of being kind of a snob on how people, how they shape their cowboy hat mm-hmm. or how they wear it, you know, yeah. and it's made me respect those people more because they're, they just want to have a little bit of the cowboy lifestyle with them. Right. It's so true. And Lane, I, I throw myself under the bus all the time as well. You know, like as a high school kid, as a high school rodeo kid, a young college student, I was that person. Like you go to the rodeo and you see somebody in a hat that they obviously just bought and you sort of roll your eyes and think, oh my gosh, you know, where did they get that hat? They've never been to a rodeo. But my position is having stepped out of this like Western community in this agriculture space to pursue a TV career, I've gotten to see the other side. And stepping back into agriculture and sort of being like, oh, they know me, but like they don't really, who is this girl that just appeared? Like, does she even know what she's doing? You know, walking into the PBR for the first time. Now I know what it feels like to think, oh gosh, do I belong here? Are they going to accept me? Are they going to think I'm legit enough to be here? And what I've learned, and it's been really eye-opening for me as my advocacy journey has sort of continued to grow, 
people are really want to be part of this, but they're really, really hesitant to do so because we are so quick to judge and we are so quick to throw comments around on social media and say, oh, well, you've never worked a day in your life on a ranch. You don't get to wear a hat. That's BS because we need those people. Like just this morning, I get on my social media and people are going nuts because Beyonce put on, might I add, a very well-shaped, nice cowboy (laughs) hat. And people are like, oh, Beyonce's wearing a cowboy hat. She wouldn't know the first thing. I'm sorry. You get a mainstream megastar like Beyonce putting on a cowboy hat. First of all, she's from Houston, Texas. Like, this probably isn't actually her first rodeo. And I think that that's amazing. Like, we should be celebrating the fact that someone like Beyonce, regardless of her political beliefs, regardless of what she thinks of the police, like, people are throwing in comments that have nothing to do with this. It's a campaign for her Adidas collaboration. And I just think that it's so cool that we're starting to see these mainstream, um, you know, people, celebrities and non-celebrities alike, kind of embrace this and want to be a part of it. And, you know, I get messages all the time, like, really genuine messages that say, are you sure I can call myself a cowgirl? Or like, maybe I'm the exception. Are you sure I'm not the exception? I'm like, no. Like, if you embody the the grit and the tenacity and what it takes to be a cowgirl, like, I think you get to call yourself a cowgirl, whether you've ever ridden a horse or not. Well, and I will throw uh, another additive with Beyonce. She was also wearing a Montana silversmith belt buckle made in oh, Columbus, Montana as well. That had I a love on that. It. Yeah. And you know, Lane, um, I sort of like people got really upset about that and I shared it and whatever. You know, you know me, I never hold back. But if you really dig into that campaign, one of the cool things she did, she was telling the stories of real cowboys, like black cowboys who have team roped, who grew up in places like L.A., who grew up in places like Texas. Like, she really was advocating for the community. But people were so busy, like, oh, why isn't she wearing her underwear and her shaps? I'm like, okay, y'all are missing the bigger picture. I'm a bigger picture person here. <laughs> but, again, it's all about people wanting wanting to embody that in, in, in a sense this is an opportunity for us to to have a conversation with them and bring that in and they may respect cattle and cattlemen and women just a little bit more as well exactly and, uh, and Kaya as uh, you talked about your role with uh, the Kentucky Beef Council and advocacy there uh, and now you're finding yourself being an advocate for yourself or others uh, promoting health promoting mental health and, and being a life coach and I know we talked about you being a life coach but uh, just for our friends that maybe didn't listen to that show we, we taped this past spring where did you see you know yourself when you're like I'm a life coach but how 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 does that come about and how how do you have those conversations with uh, fellow producers in California and nationwide saying it's not just an inspirational Chris Farley speaker. It's actually making it, and I'm not, I'm not making light of, of the work that you're doing, but some people might be a life coach. What, what, how's the, how are those interactions going? Well, first of all, my dream is to be a Chris Farley motivational speaker. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no, I, that's a fair question because, Lane, that's how I felt about it too. And I always say, like when I introduce myself, that, that I'm a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach because it wasn't something on my radar. I didn't even know what a life coach was or what they did, let alone that I wanted to be one. And I feel like sometimes life just kind of happens the way it's supposed to. So the way that it, again, I'm going to simplify the evolution of how this came to be because I did not set out to become a life coach was, you know, I used to work for the Kentucky Beef Council and one of my programs that I managed was our nutrition program. And 
I didn't have any nutrition expertise. I didn't have any, I wasn't a registered dietitian. I didn't have any educational background. I knew that the, the science that I was sharing and communicating with, you know, I was going to the dietetics convention and conferences. I was talking to teachers. I was talking to youth. I was talking to consumers and influencers about beef nutrition. And I knew the science that I was sharing was true because it was, you know, actually discovered by people that are qualified. But I felt so conflicted in that role because at the time I wasn't exactly this image of health and wellness. I, I didn't look like a walking example of what it looked like to fit beef in a heart healthy diet. And so I felt like so hypocritical in that job. And I was almost like, oh my gosh, am I doing more of a disservice to the beef industry by being a spokesperson for its nutritional benefits because I'm not being an example of it myself. And I had a lot of imposter syndrome there in that role. And it was while I was working at the Kentucky Beef Council actually, that I started my health journey. And it was inspired by getting on a plane and going to the Ag Media Summit. And it was the first time in my life I had to ask for a seatbelt extender. And I happened to buy a book that same day. It was Rachel Hollis's Girl Wash Your Facebook. And there was nothing in the book necessarily that I had never heard before, but it was like, you know those moments when you hear something at the time that you need to hear it, that it just kind of clicks. And I was like my wake up call that I had been blaming everyone and everything in my life for why I was feeling unhappy and unhealthy and unsatisfied. I blamed my genetics. I blamed my job for why I didn't have the money to afford a fancy gym or weight loss programs. I blamed my partner thinking that if he didn't go on a diet with me, then I couldn't do it. And I finally realized, oh my gosh, if I want more for myself, I get to decide right now to make choices that will get me there. And that's kind of what spurred my whole journey. And I started in October of 2018, just making better healthy choices and establishing these healthy habits, not from a dieting standpoint, which is what I did every other time before, but really focusing on just rebuilding my relationship with myself. And I just started sharing it openly on social media. And, you know, fast forward in a year, I had lost a hundred pounds, over a hundred pounds. And I had created this, this like relationship with myself and it was almost magnetic. I just started getting people asking me questions on social media, like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, you seem so happy. Like you're so healthy. Um, do you ever do any coaching? And I was like, coaching what? Like, I'm not qualified to do that. What does a life coach even do? I can't ask people for money. But I kept getting asked the question. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's something to this. I'll just lean into it. And so I started by just coaching some friends and family and acquaintances on the side. And I fell in love with it. My grandpa has always told me that whatever you do, you got to do something with people. And when I was young, I was like, well, what the heck does that mean? Like, tell me how to translate that into a career. And I feel like the word that keeps coming up for me over this last year is the word aligned. Like, I feel like my struggles with my body image and my weight, um, have really become the greatest blessing of my life because it's given me this opportunity now to help so many other women and men that are walking through that same struggle. And it's also giving me like this, this feels like such a full circle moment because I grew up in a, in, you know, on a cattle ranch in California. I started my young professional career in the beef industry. And now I feel like I'm the strongest beef advocate than ever. Like here getting to talk to you in this way. And I would have never expected that. And that wouldn't have happened had I not really started taking ownership of my life. And so it's so cool now though, being a life coach, like what does that even mean? Um, I really just, I empower women in my community to trust themselves again, rebuild their relationship with themselves again. And I think more importantly than ever, because I serve women that live in New York City, but also live on a ranch in Nebraska. But there's a lot of women in ag in my community because they want to work with someone who knows the culture they come from, who knows they can't run to the gym to go work out, who knows that during calving season, their priorities shift a little bit. And for me to be able to empower the women in ag to prioritize themselves again is huge because we are 
you know, women in general, but also women in ag, we are so good for other people. We show up for our family, for our kids, for our community, for the farm, for the ranch. And a lot of times we forget to show up for ourselves. And I really want to empower women, especially women in ag, that the best asset on your farm or ranch or in your home is you. And you can't take care of the things and causes you care about unless you take amazing care of yourself. And if I can empower the women to do that, then that feels like the most life-giving thing to me. I really wish we had Jan Lyons joining us today oh, from Kansas. Oh, Jan. Gosh, she's so good. So, and, and isn't Kaya kind of oh like a goodness. mini Jan Lyons? I see it. The first woman president of NCBA. Second. 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 Oh, yep. is she second? Yep. Well, I'm honored to be compared. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, they're just like sound bites a minute, you know, just very, you're just so well-spoken. I could listen to you and Macy all day. Oh, ditto. I will say, Lane, I feel like just over the past year, one of my favorite things about this entire experience has been being able to follow these two ladies because I feel like I am getting a heck of a bargain um, just following these two because I've garnered so much wisdom from them. I literally on a daily basis say both a little fancy, a little ranchy, and something is better than nothing. And I can't, I could not have ever imagined a year and a half ago how much these two women would have influenced my daily routine and my life and how I go about um, making connections with people inside and outside of agriculture in this industry. So let's expand. What, what are some of those daily changes that you've made in your life? Well, I always felt um, kind of like Courtney. I think um, growing up, I grew up on a commercial uh, cow-calf ranch and I would go to school and people would be like, why are you painting your nails? Like you said, you worked on a farm. And it was just kind of made me feel like a total outsider no one understood and my mom and my sister and I always joke about a situation where uh, it was a January day we had just gotten a ton of snow we went out to feed hay and we sunk our pickup to the frame and three hours later we had to be in black tie formal walking down the grand staircase at the Missouri um, gubernatorial ball and just we had people that understood our life on the farm and we had people that understood that side of our lives but we felt like no one got both of those things and so Whenever Courtney started that, it was just like, oh my God, she was saying everything I'd always felt and was thinking, and she put it in such a way where I feel like everyone, regardless of their experience with agriculture or cowboy culture, could relate and could feel like they had a place here, again, whether or not they lived on a farm or ranch. And then with Kaya, I find myself just wanting so much to give myself and the people around me more grace you know um, the something is better than nothing mentality is you know I wake up some mornings and I had leftover breath a birthday cake for breakfast and I think I'm worthless and <laughs> I love that for is, you <laughs> and I'm like well the rest of my day is ruined but um no Kaya has been so good about I think teaching people just how to love and respect themselves and I think that whenever we do that again. I'm a big proponent for mental health, and I think that helps us. But I think once we learn how to love ourselves and to give ourselves grace, I think we're better at giving grace to the people around us. And so I just super appreciate the both of these women and all of the women that we were ambassadors with, I think are phenomenal people, and I'm so blessed to have them in my life. Well, that's pretty high praise. But again, it's just all the connections that were made just through the ambassador program, but also how the positive aspect of social media, Instagram, Facebook, can still keep everyone connected and keep totally. that enthusiasm going. You know, one area that I think really ha has come to light, of course, the last few years is mental health for, for, for men and women in agriculture. And Kaya, as a life coach and, and going through the pandemic, I mean, how, how did, how, again, you were coaching people, but how, 
was it difficult for you to stay positive during the pandemic too and, and keep your mental health as a top priority as you helped other people? Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad you asked the question because I, I think that when it comes to mental health, I think the most empowering thing that we can do is be honest with ourselves and others about not always being okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I think especially with social media now, there is this, um, there's this, this toxic positivity. There's this idea where like, just choose joy, like just be happy, everything's great. Like just choose happy thoughts, be positive. And I am a hopeless optimist. Like I would say in general, I am very optimistic. I'm very positive in general, but when we tell people just choose happy, just, just you know, be happy, it's okay we aren't giving them space to like feel the hard stuff. And this last year for every single one of us, it has been really hard and challenging. And so I have dealt with that, that like almost imposter syndrome when I'm having bad days of like, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to have bad days. I'm not supposed to feel this way. I'm a life coach, I'm supposed to know better. But what I've found and what I've learned and grown so much in the last year is realizing that actually the most empowering thing that I can do for my community is just be honest about how I'm feeling and give them space to be human too. Like, of course I have bad days. Of course some days are not positive. Of course some days I want to yell or scream or cry. And that doesn't make me bad, wrong, or broken. It makes me a human being. And I think that when we can show people how to process and feel their emotions, that's what makes all of us healthier overall. I think that the thing that is the most harmful for us in our mental health is feeling like we have to have it together, feeling like we have to stay positive all the time. Instead of realizing like being a human means we have a wide array of emotions and we don't have to shove them down and you know toughen up like I think a lot of us in the ag industry do. Like We have a lot of grit, but I think giving people permission to feel whatever it is they need to feel because the truth is is that when we shove it down it doesn't go away it just builds pressure to blow up later on and so um, I guess to answer your question Lane I don't stay positive all the time Mm -hmm. but I have learned to allow myself um, how to process through the hard days so that I can bounce back to the good ones faster and we we look at the situation in the western united states right now because i want to tie this in to just there's a lot of folks that couldn't come to cattle convention because of wildfires and the cattle drought situation where i'm from in montana they have to stay home right now and you know that's what i I, i've got criticized for coming down here from my viewers and listeners but i'm like on my western ag network tv we're down here to share what's going on since you can't be here but i am so concerned for so many producers especially up in in my country because well um my dad shared shared with me an image the other day of horse trailer stock trailers just lining the streets going north and south pulling into our local stockyards that typical sale there is 500 head they ran 2100 head through because we have drought we have wildfires and we have no grass the grasshoppers have ate everything and it's tough for me knowing that i'm going to probably have to sell almost all of my pears all my cows this fall Mm. with with my dad's operation Mm -hmm. there's we can't afford the feed and but we won't be able to buy afford the $2,500 pairs on the market and when it does rain but when we look at mental health it's so hard for producers whether they're men or women to reach out to somebody and I know we've brought awareness to mental health we've talked about it but it's tough to me to contemplate it I know it's tough for my dad it's tough for so many producers that literally they don't have a blade of grass because it has either been burned the grasshoppers ate it and their hard work is gone it's just going down the road so what is, and I want all three of you to, to kind of share just, you know, positivity, but how important it is to maybe reach out for help or just talk to somebody about, about it. Because that's, that's, a, that's a, one of the things about being an influencer is mm-hmm. trying to influence people to, to ask for help. I think the best thing that we can do and what I see these two do really well too is 
through stories. Because even hearing Macy talking about Courtney's Fancy Lady Cowgirl movement, Courtney started that by just telling stories. And when she told those stories, women like Macy, myself, and thousands of other women and men across the country saw themselves and heard themselves in her story. And it gave them a space to be like, okay, I'm not alone in this. I feel seen and heard. And now I have a place to feel validated and share my story too. And I think that we think that, you know, sharing our stories or being honest is being weak, but there is so much strength and power and vulnerability. And I'm glad that you're here, Lane, and I'm glad that you do what you do because that's, you give people a place to, you share stories and you allow them to hear themselves in you, in you and the stories that you share of other producers around the country. And I think that having that connection, a place to be like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in this, that in itself is one of the most powerful things ever. And when you are open and vulnerable with yourself, you open up the door for other people to be vulnerable with themselves too. And I think that that is one of the most powerful things that you can do. I think one of the greatest things that someone ever told me, because people always, and I'm sure they do with the three of you as well, they come, they're like, well, we don't know how to share our story. What is, what is my story? Someone once told me, make your mess your message. And that's 100% it, whether it's mental health, whether it's the current situation um, in states like Montana, make your mess your message. You know, a, a little bit of a backstory to how Fancy Lady Cowgirl even came to be. I pursued this career in television and I largely hid the cowgirl side of me because they told me in the industry that it just was too niche. If I was going to be a cowgirl, like they would never hire me in places like New York. And it wasn't until... I told stories about wildfires that were ripping across parts of the Midwest mm -hmm. that I finally broke out of that. And, you know, I told the stories because they, it was happening to people that I knew personally and the mainstream media was not talking about it. They still don't talk about things like that. And so I told the story on my Facebook page and, you know, it had all these views and that was really a wake up moment for me, sometimes from a mental health aspect, like there's nothing I can do. I can't make it rain in these states but maybe I can tell their story. And what I discovered is just having their story told, just letting them know that like, we know you, you're going through this, we got you, we're gonna tell help. We know you can't tell this story right now because mentally you're just trying to survive. Let people like us tell that story. Sometimes that's all it takes is for us to just say, hey, we haven't forgotten about you. We know what's going on in these places. We know the mainstream media is not talking about the challenges that the ranchers in these states are facing, but like we're going to help tell that story. And I think, you know, it's just, yeah, make your mess your message. And mental health is very tough, especially in our community, because we are raised to be tough and we don't break and we can get through anything. And, you know, that's the cowboy mentality. And it, it has been for generations and generations. And I think we're just slowly starting to maybe break out of that a little bit and have the conversation but it's still really tough you sit my you know 83 year old pappy down and you say pappy we're going to talk about mental health he's going to get up and walk away you know it's that old school mentality but I think we're slowly um, through advocacy and through people like all of us at this table we're, we're slowly starting to break that mold and I would echo what Kaya said I think you I think it's absolutely pertinent that you are here Lane because you are here and you're able to talk about what is happening in your state and you're able to talk about what's happening in other states and again you're making the mess your message and I think that's so crucial I think Kaya said it earlier you can't help the people around you if you can't help yourself or if you're not in a good place yourself and 
I think that's so true. You can't pour from an empty cup is what I always say. And I think in cowboy culture, like Courtney was saying, you know, it's that grit. It's that um, strength that they think, you know, cowboys can't be beat. Well, sometimes the strongest thing you can do is let somebody else in and um, walk through that together, whether that's you asking for help or you seeing maybe a, a neighbor that's struggling and being that person that says, hey, I'm, I'm here if, if you need me. And uh, I think in Missouri in particular, we have a gentleman by the name of Jason Meadows. He's a friend of mine, and he has a podcast called Ag State of Mind. And I think that is a really neat resource because he's actually a pharmacist. And so he comes in from the medical side, and he's a cattle rancher, grew up on a cattle farm. And so just him putting himself out there and inviting those people um, to have those conversations, I think, is good because it's another situation where people can relate to him, you know. And uh, I think that we all can do that in different ways. There are people out there who connect to each of us in different ways. And whenever we share those stories or, um, again, on social media, whether it's the mess that we're sharing or if we're just advocating for mental health, I think that really gets those conversations going. And um, I think that it's important to remember, um, you know, farmers and ranchers have the highest occupational suicide rates of any occupation. I think that's so devastating. Um, but I think it's important for people to remember that there is zero circumstance in which your family, your farmer ranch, or your communities are better without you. And so having those conversations, no matter how hard they are now, are worth it and will pay off in the long run. Um, I, 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 maybe I mentioned it. I've talked about it so much with folks, but on, on my dad sent me that video. Yeah, I did mention it with all the horse trailers uh, going into the stockyards. And I had to watch it first because he goes, put this on Facebook. And I'm like, God, is, what's he saying here? Oh, you know, do, I need commentary? To, do I need to take any, any any lines out? So I did. I posted it on my professional Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster page. And as of this morning, I had like 144,000 views, 2,000 shares. So my dad's been like asking my mom, how many views do I have? You know, <laughs> Am I going to get royalties on that? <laughs> should, should I get a Facebook? And I'm like, no. Um, but, but speaking of, obviously, we've really talked about the positive aspect of social media. And we touched on this in our conversation back in 2020. But... Um, when, when I spoke a few weeks ago at Cattle U, um, I, I was the opening speaker, and one of my, my key points that I wanted to make is f- farmers and ranchers have to be reactive because when you're working cows, you got to be able to catch that gate. you got to go be able to cut a pair off, or just you have to be fast-acting just to protect yourself sometimes, and, and uh, mainly physically. And when we look at social media, though, we are so ingrained to have that fast reaction, that knee-jerk reactions, comments. That Again, it comes back to the cow. If somebody, oh, that guy looks, he's wearing his cowboy hat backwards. What an idiot. That knee-jerk reaction to kind of bring to light. Where, and I'm not saying all, all situations, but it, comments from a knee-jerk reaction on a post, maybe someone doesn't understand what federal public lands grazing is or this or that that knee-jerk reaction can give us in the industry a black eye Mm -hmm. and people are just we're so used to defending ourselves that we have to kind of look back and sometimes those reactions give us a black eye and it'd be better off that we just internalize it and and just say hey that's that's i don't like that post but not put it on the facebook like what are your thoughts on that i think you know social media can be so good but it can also be a little bit detrimental to our industry as a whole. You know, I had a real kind of a wake up moment during the pandemic with agriculture and sort of the back and forth. You know, we, the thing I can't stand is we're attacking each other. We spend more time attacking each other on social media than we do actually having 
good conversations. And when the pandemic hit, obviously the mainstream media goes berserk. There's a meat shortage. The processing plants are shut down. So immediately the agriculture community starts fighting about the processing plants. And there's, you know, we're not going to get into that. But that whole conversation that always gets brought up. And I got a call one day from one of my co-hosts in Dallas, city girl, you know, TV host. She called me and she said, Courtney, I need to talk to you. I was like, oh my gosh, like, what's up? What's wrong? You know, she said, well, you're my person. Like you're my ag person that I follow. And so I've been following you to try to know like what I should do, where I should get beef. If that beef is going to be safe to feed Caitlin and Christopher, my children. And I'm like, okay, you know, what's your question? I'll answer it. And she goes, well, I've been reading all of the comments on your posts. And she goes, everyone that I thought like was an expert that was going to help me, they're just fighting. And so Courtney, I don't know who to believe. And I just, it was like a gut punch. Cause I thought that if I could bottle up that conversation that my friend Crystal had with me, she goes, I trust you and I love you. So I'm calling you on the phone, but a lot of people don't have my phone number, right? They don't have a direct line to me or Kaya or Macy or you Lane. And so they're reading the comments from people like us, who are just fighting back and forth. Well, we hate the backers anyway, or we, you know, this isn't our fault. The, the beef producers aren't making any money anyway. There's no, you know, it's not our fault. There's not beef in the grocery store. That's what the outside world looking in, when they were just trying to figure out what to feed their children, that's what they saw. And luckily, Crystal picked up the phone and called me so I could have that conversation with her. But I have to wonder how many people saw those interactions that we were having within the beef industry and thought, you know what, maybe we'll just stick to a different protein source because obviously the beef industry has got some issues within itself and I, I try to remind people people see those comments people see what you're saying on social media to other farmers and ranchers and they're internalizing that whether we realize it or not and so I just always think back to that conversation I had with her I mean you could hear the worry in her voice she's like I just I don't know is it okay if I can find it at the grocery store is it gonna be okay to feed to the kids and she genuinely meant that mm-hmm. I also think whenever consumers see producers having conversations like that on Facebook, they think these are professionals. These people have cattle for a living. I have so many questions. And if they're going to come at a professional with that attitude, just think about how they're going to come at me. If I ask them, you know, what did you feed this and how is it going to affect my diet or my body and my kids? If they're going to call that person out and tell them that their knowledge is incorrect, there's no way I'm going to ask them a question. So true. So true. I, I agree. I think that one of the biggest things that is hurting our industry is the turmoil within it. I mean, I think that that's the theme across our nation and our world is it is imploding from within. And I feel like we are, everything is so black and white, us and them. And I, I mean, it's, it's not just in our industry. It is across all industries right now. And I think the thing that I always think about Anytime that there's someone who who says something that you maybe don't agree with or has a perspective that's totally different, votes differently than you, buys things differently than you, um, I think the thing that I always bring back up is compassionate curiosity. How, instead of having that knee-jerk reaction, how can we pause and have compassionate curiosity for why someone thinks the way they do, why they have that perspective, why they make those certain choices, because everyone is making the best choice for themselves and their family. We all want the same things. We want a happy, healthy family, and we want to take good care of ourselves. And everyone is making those choices and has those opinions based on their experience and their lens of the world. Like I was having a conversation with my brother this last year about something and he was mentioning some comment about like, well, I just don't understand how those people can think that way and that they would ever vote that way. And I paused him and I said, have you ever, do you know what it's like to grow up in Brooklyn, New York? Mm -hmm. He's like, well, no. And I'm like, 
well, they have a totally different experience of the world. Like, I want you just to, to imagine what it would be like to grow up and live in Brooklyn, New York, and how that might affect the way that you vote or the way that you buy or your perspectives. And the same way as that person, they have no idea what it's like to grow up an hour from the nearest grocery store in the middle of nowhere, yeah. California, right? And I think this goes across the aisle both ways. I think that we need to revive the sense of empathy and realize that even though we all have different perspectives and opinions, we also all have different experiences, but the core of our values is so much the same. We want the same things and we're just making our best decisions on what feels good to us. And so I think compassionate curiosity for ourselves when it comes to mental health, but also for others when it comes to having those conversations across the aisle. And, uh, you know, as we look at all of this as well, our families are so important to what we do. And last year, uh, all your moms, I, I, is your mom down here now? No, too? she's here. Okay. And I can hear her. All, all three of your moms <laughs> were sitting around. Is your mom here this year? Not this year. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, to have that support system, though, your family and how important it is, or to have those mentors, if you don't have the family supporting you, is so important. But uh, uh, maybe just talk about your families a little bit and the role that they play in your advocacy, because I know your mom's a rock star on Instagram. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's a loose cannon. Um, yeah, you know, family, it, it, it is so important. And, um, you know, and that's really why I came back to this community. You know, I could have just gone on and gone to New York and never told anyone that I grew up on a cattle ranch and that my grandparents are still ranching. You know, Pappy's still riding his cow pony at 83 years old. We digress. Um, but that's, you know, that's the whole reason that I'm here. It's the people. And I think that everyone at this table can, can echo that sentiment, you know, I don't fight for this community because I want everyone to eat beef and I want everyone to know it's healthy and I want everyone to just love farmers and ranchers. I fight for this community because I know the people and I know how good they are. And I spent 10 years, you know, a decade outside of the agriculture community. So I got to see intimately in places like New York and LA and Dallas, what the mentality is like, you know, where I, where we come from in this community that we're raised in, like a handshake means something. You look people in the eye, you hold the door for women. Like that's just sort of how my family raised me. And that's actually pretty rare is what I have learned, you know, in my television uh, career, just treating people like human beings in, in broadcast is sometimes rare. You know, we're, we're tools, we're faces, we're bodies, we're mouths. Um, and so, you know, agriculture coming back to the family and that community aspect, you know, that's just something that you are hard pressed to find yep. anywhere else. And, you know, we talk about the drought situation and wildfires and the different things and, and mental health. There is no community that takes care of their own mm -hmm. like this community. Yep. And I will say that over and over again, and I truly believe that. Like, uh, We could keep talking for hours, surely. And maybe they could just pull the, the bar over here. We maybe. don't actually yeah. need you. If you need to go yeah, to work, yeah, we'll just we continue can. the show, Lane. Where do I put in the I, order I for a spicy margarita? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you want a spicy margarita? <laughs> salt or no salt blended? Um, well, I mean, what, what are some things that you would just like to share with our audience today that maybe I haven't brought up? Because really, I, I, I came into this with not many notes because I knew this was just going to be a great free-flowing conversation. What, uh, what are some things that you would just like to share with our audiences here today that are tuning in live uh, from the uh, Microtechnologies Cattlemen's Connection or uh, listening to a few months down the road? Our moms, they're both looking over here like, oh, no. I love that my mom was like happily waving and your mom's like giving you the stink eye. <laughs> um, 
you know, I think for me, from uh, real quickly, for anyone listening, I think it's important that everyone knows they are welcome here. If you show up to this National Cattlemen's Convention with your cowboy hat on backwards, like, we'll fix it for you, you know? <laughs> that might be a, me at the bar later. <laughs> we'll fix Lane's cowboy hat, right? You know, I just, um, I just think that it's important that people know if they have no experience in this industry, and even if they have no intention of running an operation like Macy or Kaya and, and being a, you know, a, fam- a ranching family, there's still a role here for you, right? I live in one of the largest cities in America, but I'm still getting to be a voice for this community. And I think that that's what's so important. Everyone has a voice. And truly, there are people like all of us at this table that will welcome you in. I love that. And I appreciate that she says that too, because, um, you know, whether you're in ag or out of ag, but I think in this space too, of, of what does your role look like in this ag space? Because I think most of your listeners are somehow connected to the industry in some way is give yourself permission to let that change and evolve as you do. Because I grew up in production. I went into communications. I did like the marketing and design. And now I'm a freaking life coach, like so unexpected. And, and seeing the way that Macy is using her talents in production and also now in lobbying and also design. And Courtney, creating her own freaking movement is so empowering. And I think that that is just evidence of whatever you want to do, you can create that for yourself in this industry. And even if your interests are are not connected, whether it's fashion and broadcast and agriculture, like whatever those, those things are, you can connect them in a way to be true to you. And I think what this world needs more than anything is just more people that are passionate and alive and pursuing things that lights their soul on fire. Like that's what we need more than anything. And so the other thing that I'll just add to that whatever journey it is that you're on, whether it's your, you know, maybe you just started a farm, your own ranch farm, depending on where you're at in the country. Maybe you are graduating from college and wanting to start your career. Maybe you're wanting to start a movement. Maybe you're wanting to start your advocacy journey. My thing I want to remind you, or maybe you're starting a health journey like I did. My race, my pace, wherever you're at right now is exactly where you need to be. You're not behind. I don't care where you live, how much money you make, how old you are. You are right where you need to be. And whatever it is that you want, just focus on taking it one step at a time because that's how you climb mountains and that's how you get where you want to go. Yeah, so whenever you asked that question, Lane, the first word that came to my mind was welcome as well, which um, they kind of both mentioned. And I think that means welcome to the industry, welcome to the conversation, welcome to um, maybe it's fancy lady cowgirl or fancy gentleman cowboy. Is that what what it's called? Still a work in progress. (laughs) (laughs) But just welcome. Um, And I think a big piece of not only the industry, but just becoming who you truly are is finding your people and... um, and you asked about family and you know I ranch with my mom and sister and I still have family members that don't believe that um, we should be allowed to own cattle and run a farm and I think that's where finding your people and um, you know I go to my local sale barn and the the people there just I feel like pour into me and um, are welcoming in that way and uh, my mother couldn't be here because unfortunately we lost my grandpa last week and I always think about how um, he used to always call me for all of his cattle and beef information and that just made me feel um, super empowered in my position and so I think surrounding yourself with people like that that make you feel like you are doing your best to um, whatever your mission is again whatever your race is but those people who help you along that race and uh, make you feel successful um, as a as a person as a professional again whatever that might be so yeah welcome to the conversation and um, yeah and I, I loved how you put it what lights 
your soul on fire is such a good way to do that because people ask me why why, why do you want to you know buy more cows or, or try to buy more land and go into debt for the rest of your lives because that's that's what i've always wanted to do i've had to become a broadcaster as a contractor to all the media groups i work for that's the only way that my wife and i can afford to get into it she grew up in on a farmer ranch i grew up in it and so that's how we want our kids to be raised we're not going to force them to want to be involved but horses do a lot of good <laughs> oh yes um, so whatever lights your soul on fire well i, I just got to tell you all it, it's been a joy to catch up with you again i'd encourage our listeners that maybe didn't catch the first conversation we had uh, ag influencers back in february 2020 i believe is when that went live uh go go check that out and uh maybe what are your social media i'm sure everyone knows your guys' social media handles <laughs> by now but uh could you just share maybe how folks can get in touch or follow what or, or, or your website design whatever that might be I'm just Macy Hurst across all platforms. I'm pretty boring, but um, I would love to answer any questions that you have on the production side, on the legislative side. Um, if you'd like to get involved in your state association or even in production, I would love to put you in touch with those people and just answer any questions you might have. Um, thank you all for listening. Yeah, I'm just Court Dehoff on Instagram and Courtney Dehoff TV on Facebook and feel free to slide into my DMs. There are no dumb questions. I also heard you have a pretty cool podcast. Oh yeah, I do have a podcast. It's called Cowgirl Problems if you'd like to listen to that. I heard you have a, a podcast. Oh my gosh, you heard right. I'm a fresh I'm fresh on the podcast Ooh, yeah. game, but I just recently... Thank you. Listen, y'all are the ones that got me started in this, so thank both of you. Uh, my new podcast is called Climbing with Coach Kaya launches every Wednesday, but you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Coach Kaya. Um, you can check out my website at CoachKaya.com. And if you are a ranching woman and you want some support in your health journey too, join the sisterhood. We've got a kick-ass membership. Sorry, I don't know if I can say that word on here. I, too late. It's okay. I had to remind <laughs> you in the last one, we're not FCC regulated, so you can say whatever you Ooh, want. Ooh, man, I missed out on so many opportunities. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we have a kick-ass membership though. Um, if y'all would like to join the sisterhood and have some support and, and love as you continue your health journey but thank you so much for listening and for the opportunity lane love you girls so much oh, i love, love you, you girls we like you too lane well <laughs> i'm just glad to be part of the conversation <laughs> hey how about dandy man cowboy Ooh, so dandy like, man that guy, okay yeah see that's been the hardest part men are definitely welcome in this fancy lady cowgirl community i just don't know what to call them i, I have some really dandy nice man suit. cowboy something like that i got nice i'm gonna, suits. I'm gonna I go show up. up to my hotel room and trademark that immediately okay. so don't even think of it don't even <laughs> think of it sarah get on that uh, she's on her phone <laughs> <laughs> um but again, hey, uh, and for our listeners, if this is your first time uh, listening to the Cattleman's Call podcast, make sure and subscribe on all those different platforms. We're going to continue to have conversations just like this with all the cattlemen and women out there, um, getting their perspective on things, how they make it in the business, their, their difficulties, their successes, and what they've learned, young and old. It, I enjoy it. This is the best part about just connecting with all the producers and people within the industry. So friends, thank you so much. Ladies, thanks for joining us here today. Thank, Thank you. you. And that will do it for today's Cattleman's Call podcast recorded at the NCBA Cattleman's Connection booth sponsored by Micro Technologies at the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. I'm Lane Nordlund. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.